Today was a really great day. I was in my studio class for 100B, and since I already presented on Monday or the beginning of the week, I just listened on to my peers' presentations and the suggestions and critiques, feedback that my instructor Keith and the other instructor Bob gave to their projects. Both these instructors are really great at giving feedback. Like, I, I don't know how they do it for a straight four hours long. That's amazing. There are areas in which I just like went back and forth and cut off some moments, but there will be reviews that you can hear from many other instructors. And yeah, I hope this helps in getting inspiration and feedback for your own projects and for me as well. This really helps in providing me a little bit of something to listen back to and pick apart things that my classmates got in terms of feedback and see what I can do to relate that to my project as well as a productive conversation. So with that, we will begin the second half of the mid-review. I'm going to be an armchair fire marshal and say that your smoke detector has been beeping for weeks and you should change the battery because it's dangerous. <laughs> I can hear it in the background. Oh, you can? Or, okay. Or you could be like me and just take the battery out until you get to it. Don't we, do that. I think we took ours out during fire season, Bob. It started going off in like October, and here we are. I looked at it last, just last night. I'm looking up at it going, I need to get the battery. Yeah, I better put that back. Okay. But it I'm beeps. Giving a hard time. I don't it know beeps. how you live with it. Isn't that like, see? I, yeah, I have no idea. Like my dad literally just installed it. So I don't know why it's beeping. <laughs> it drives me insane when that Sorry. happens. Sorry. Um, no, no worries. Uh, okay. No, they don't. And I think there's some, the thickness of this thing, you know, it could be, it could function. I mean, it could be that, yep. I, I, you know, or it could be real, it could be shallow like you had right now. There's a funny little step there. I think you probably don't want to have, but I would think about, how those are working. And my other comment to you is that I think the strategy, the layers of, of striations makes sense, but I'd be curious if you would try, like, would you ever consider, I don't know, having something else that's, I'm just going to draw some weird stuff, but like, could you create density in other ways um, where it's more almost like a web? There was a plan in Keith's section yesterday that was doing kind of this, where at one end, it's a little bit more open and diaphanous and in other sections, it becomes a little bit tighter and more filigreed. If there, I don't know that this is what you want to do. I guess I'm just for, as, from a due diligence perspective, I'm curious to know if it's time yet to settle exactly on making this thing work, or if you should test a couple other ideas just before, just before ruling them out. Does that make sense? Again, it's not about going backward. It's just about, I'd like well, to see if there's another way. You could, you could argue both systems, like on the inside, they're vertical, but on the outside, there's another set of wires, right? Like yeah. what I was going to say about what I saw in my backyard is that last year we, we planted a box of uh, morning glories. I've never planted them in my life, but you need to put strings for them to grow on like beans, right? And the only thing we could attach to was a uh, tree and the branch was going out like that. So I just tied them where it made sense, but man, a month and a half later. And then we'll take a you. short break and release... Keith back, back to the wild um, to I'd join his other. Like to stay here, actually. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'd love to have you stay. <laughs> uh, it's it's so it's, interesting. It's great to have other other insights because you're seeing things that that I haven't and that we haven't together. Okay, Sprezzatura. Say more about that. Study carelessness. That. It's a it's a yeah. term from sort of men's furnishing, men's fashion. 
Yep. Um, that is a kind of, and people still do this today. It's like, a, I don't know if you look at a picture, Ryan Gosling might be a good example of this or Keanu, that picture of Keanu Reeves on a bench eating a sandwich. If anybody's seen that meme, it's just him looking a little disheveled, but he's so, you know, it's so carefully done. That's Brett Satura. Um, he's just nailing it. It looks like he doesn't care, but he really does care. Um, same thing with the college. I think the Ryan, Ryan, who, what was the last name of Ryan? Oh, Ryan Gosling. I was just thinking of hip movie people who, um, who look like they, you know, might be living in a, you know, who knows, but they, anyway, I, I just wanted to oh, touch yeah. before we have a few minutes left or a minute left before we have to lose Keith. I think the Eisman example is a really good one. I think there's a little bit, Eisman is such a, uh, very specific um and there's a whole you know the houses have a whole series of operations associated with the manipulation of the geometry uh and we talked a little bit about solowit um with sydney's yep, project the other day and i was also looking at solowit uh the the thing i guess the little bit of caution i would i would throw into this is i think yours is yes having those moments of absence i, th I think is that's totally the project you've have the grid and then you eroded the grid it's it's more like um one of the sue fujimoto projects maybe the yeah right um, that white latticey thing but the scale is obviously different but right. i think that there's enough here um in, in what you're doing with the structure because it's so it's so they're close enough together that you're able to remove a beam without having to worry about oh i have to transfer the load we've talked about with some of the others like you can't just pull a, beam, a column out of here because they're too far apart to bring the load down you because you've created this density have the opportunity to peel pieces away it's like a space frame and you live inside the space frame and uh, to keith's larger point your, your project is about where you pick and choose to to pull parts of that away um and that's i think a i think it's a great uh, start of a project. I would say there's a couple just w before we jump your third floor plan. I can't read yet. Um, it's something about the, the heaviness of all those, those, the line work. I, I don't quite know what's happening with some of these, if they're actually discrete rooms, or if I'm looking at an expression of the column below, or it looks it's so cellular, but I don't quite understand what's happening. The other ones look a little clear, um, but I think you've you've definitely tapped into something here. And I'm, I really like the, the stair becomes seating, becomes reception desk, becomes all this other stuff using that and in, infilling in between those the bays um, with this kind of stuff, I think is a, is a great idea. But I think the facade is something um, we'll have to spend some time developing, but that wasn't really in the scope so much of this first half of the studio other than your expanded cut. So I think we'll give that a little bit more love going forward, but I hope that you feel like you've got some comments here from Keith that'll sustain you for a little while. Do you have any questions? And that's where I'll leave it. <laughs> Keith, thank you so much for joining us. This is awesome. And yeah. so great to have somebody who- Good to see you. Yeah, has a, 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 oh. a new perspective on, on our work. I think this has been hugely helpful to everyone who's had you. I wish you could stay. All right, bye. All right, thanks Keith. Take care, have fun, Eleanor. They're doing well so far. Absolutely, they look great. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye. Eleanor, thanks for joining us. Of course. We, we actually, so we're exactly at the halfway point. We started Great. at 10 after. I'd like to give everybody a five, quick five minute break yeah, and start back at 410. Grab Perfect. a cup of coffee, run to the bathroom. Absolutely, let's do See it. See you guys in five minutes. I just wanted to say real quick that my instructor Keith and Bob, the other instructor for the other section, is just such a great duo. <laughs> It just feels like such a lively conversation whenever they critique together. So I wish there would be more critiques like this or more reviews like this, rather. I just watched a bunch of, uh, I shouldn't tell you that. <laughs> we always watch The Last Temptation of Christ on Easter. <laughs> There's a pillar of salt. <laughs>
<laughs> Sorry. But what I'm thinking about is how the columns set up the order and how you like, you just missed this wall. Yeah. Now you might be able to get away, away with that, but there's a mullion, but you also might be having, you might have a column behind the mullion. Just, just think about the order, but there's something weird because the grid doesn't line up. That's all. Yes. And then you could, I think you're at a point right now uh, where you, Danelle, where you can, um, you got, you got the program worked out. It's not going to hurt you to move some things around like this. So either the structure moves slightly or the mullions and walls move slightly or the doors move slightly. There's a lot of little details like that that you should put your eye on because you're, you're ready to articulate that stuff. Okay? okay. It's not that it's badly wrong or it's a big change. I'm just saying that there's a rearrangement of things that's going to benefit you down the road because it's going to help you find the order of this thing. Let's go upstairs. Like I love in between four and six on uh, what am I, second floor? There's a wall that hits the, it, it like goes through the column. I think you ought to just let that column be right in the middle of the wall so it pops out on both sides. It's like there and there. You know, there's a language developing here, which is also in the elevator open or this open to below thing where the, the, the thing hits the column, but the column is evident. So look at the language of that and just be consistent um, so that you know when you have a, a big piece like that, and I think it's partly because they seem to me a little bit domestic, right? What that means is that they seem to be more about the scale of the house or residential architecture. So, so I, again, would wonder whether your idea about operability in the facade were more aligned with the segmentation of the facade that you've already established. Something to think about. Um, and uh, because what's happening is that all of these uh, windows that you make have a legibility on how the facade appears on the outside, right? You're getting these kind of horizontals or these squares in your facade that you may like or you may not like, right? So it's something to really test as you develop your exterior rendering, as I was talking with Chiara, right? As, as you develop your exterior rendering, how does your idea of operability um, affect the, um, the legibility or the aesthetics of your facade? So, um, something to consider. It's also possible that, um, can you remind me what this panel is made of, this more striated panel here? This um, corrugated aluminum. Corrugated aluminum, okay. Mm -hmm. So another option for you is to say that maybe, um, is it perforated or is it not perforated? It's not. It's not, okay. Mm -hmm. So one option to think about is if it were perforated, depending on which side it were, for instance, I don't know what your rear facade looks like yet, but if it were perforated, you could put the operable panel behind the aluminum, is a really which important would thing to, then you know, mean to that I wouldn't see it columns on. from the outside. The other way to do it. it is you put, I'll draw a section. If this is our, if this is our um, assembly hall and you have a column here and a column here and a column here, that's, that's doable if you draw the beams and the columns that make that possible. But you've got to account for the load that's coming down that column with a beam. If you don't, if you don't put a column inside and you better, you damn well better see them at least as walls or something on the two sides. So if that happens, it would mean that the storage would get a column in it or something, you know, does that make sense? Yes. All right. Okay. We're going to have to move on now. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank yeah. Thank you so much. All right, Keith, let's shift to our right. Okay. If there's someone over there. 
Yeah, there is, and it's. Hey, Danelle, I would I would think you might want to show the the col the beams in section as well, so that we can see where the columns are, because it's going to bring this. It's going to pop the section a little bit. Okay, you're you're cutting <laughs> into you. Gabby's time now, Keith. Go ahead. I'm waiting. <laughs> I fill the void. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Let me. I'll share my screen. Okay. All so... right, Gabby. Are you with us? Yeah. Yeah. Um, hi everyone. My name's Gabby, and. stair because you have this egress stair and elevator element because um, these appear to be offices and then again you have another stair here a lot of your fourth floor is long corridor and it really means that even though I get the functionality of this stair you know going up from the third floor this southern room is really minimized. It's really marginalized. So one thing that you could think about is how that stair maybe could be pushed against this other egress stair and it becomes much smaller. I would encourage you not to go in a circle, but keep it tighter. And then all of a sudden you have a room back here, right? A room for um, an off, a meeting space, like people to you know talk. Um, where's your office space? Uh, the both the offices are on the fourth floor. Yeah, well, I understand you have these two offices, right? But kind of the typology in the program, if you read about the program, the idea is that there are like more than two people working on the fourth floor, right? Mm -hmm. Kind of like an architecture studio. If you think about an architecture studio, an architecture studio is really patterned much more like Worcester, where there's a series of desks for multiple people to work, right? In a kind of studio setting. And so what I notice here is that there's actually very little area to work available outside of those two offices. I would be really excited for you to find a little bit more workspace for the kind of studio desk that's not an office desk. Um, oh, yeah, I, sorry, I put that on the third floor, but um, okay. I guess the stair is probably- Where are they on the third floor? Yeah. It's like an open space for the computer and- um, It's under the stair here. It's, yeah. It's this zone. Mm-hmm. I think it just reinforces the argument that the stair there is a little bit of trouble. Right? Yeah. So, you know, again, like show us how you're arranging these desks, right? Because I think that, you know, your idea of where that wall is, isn't really helping you, you know, find the, that desk area in a meaningful, in a meaningful way. Kind of like, imagine this is an architecture studio, right? Mm -hmm. um, building on that, Let's talk about your roof for a second, right? Because one thing we're noticing about the roof is that you see the roof as entirely um, opaque. So one of the most important aspects about the San Francisco site, right, is that you know that you have basically like a slab here and a slab here and the only light is coming through the Northwest facade and the Southeast facade, and then you've got a small hole, right? I think this would be so beautiful for you to think about how you could extend your envelope system to the roof. It's like, if you remember the, the um, expanded or performative cut project from 1B, right? There were two options. And the two options were geared to forecast this San Francisco site which is that in reality for the San Francisco site, the roof has to let more light in, right? So all of a sudden you start thinking, hmm, how can you begin to take this kind of patchwork, beautiful patchwork and begin to cut selectively a, a, a grid, 
Maybe some are transparent, maybe some are translucent, maybe some of your aluminum is set in these panels, right? Again, maybe some of them are perforated and you get like rays of light, filtered light patching through that, those perforations in the aluminum. So it's gonna be a real test of the project for you to quickly transition that beautiful facade into some idea of roof aperture to get light into the middle spaces of the building. I really, I'd work on that sooner rather than later. Um, I'm going to keep going. Sorry, I have two more comments, Bob. Please. please. Uh, so okay. look at this assembly hall. I saw another assembly hall like this in Jason's studio today. Wow. Huge, really big and, and, and beautifully kind of beginning to be sculpted. And then I see that this storage room is puncturing out into this, into this assembly hall. And I wonder, oh, wouldn't I love it if that were not storage? But instead, wow, could I be on this floor and look down into this assembly hall? Is this glass or is this an operable kind of mezzanine that allows more vertical participation that you're so interested in, right? You're interested in this idea of visual communication and spatial participation. So, wow, wouldn't it be great if instead of storage, you tucked storage somewhere else? Or in fact, what if you like tucked storage right here and made it an, um, something to sit on instead of, instead of perch above us. I'm not sure, like you could totally do this with storage, but as soon as you've done this, I think that it would be more conducive to your project concept or your conceit if maybe there was visual communication from that area. Um, final comment, no, I think actually, they may, oh, um, maybe, Again, we have kind of a corridor idea. Hmm. I'm not sure whether, I don't know what Bob thinks about this. I'm not like, do you, do we really appreciate in when we're in the world, this inflected bar or might it, might these, you know, I don't know if you've talked about the gender neutral restroom, Bob, but in California, in California, um, the new legislation is, is that bathrooms are no longer gendered, right? So we don't have bathrooms for men and women anymore. We have restrooms for everyone. So when you do a kind of uh, bifurcated bathroom strategy like this, you might see it in an airport, it's starting to communicate that you're doing a gendered bathroom. And you might think about instead how the, there is a series of um, small and fully closed stalls in here right? That we don't need really two full bathrooms. There are no more urinals in, in California, new, new construction. Um, and instead, how can you then con condense your bathroom strategy and maybe get us a little bit more space on the ground floor? I think um, just to chime in here, that's, so we talked a little bit in some of the others because we found that some of the bathrooms were really cavernous. And so we went through just the typology of how one how bathrooms are traditionally organized, which is where I think this little wing comes into play. Mm -hmm. We did talk about non-gendered bathrooms as well. I didn't realize it was a requirement to not have them. I gave everybody the option to select if they, how they wanted to draw them, but I didn't know that, that, um, I, that that's the case. I think in California for new construction, they have to be gender neutral. So okay. even if you divided your bathrooms, you can't specify that one is for men and one is Got for it. Excellent. Um, oh, that's good to know. So we can talk about that going forward as well. Rihanna, I pulled in um, on the left side. I was just trying to find an example of an auditorium that has a skylight. 
Um, that's a Renzo piano project at the Kimball Museum opposite of the Lucan building. And there's this really lovely um, auditorium space is actually pretty deeply embedded in the ground. What you're seeing outside the concrete is a concrete retaining wall. So you're, you're pretty far underground, but it was just making me think as Eleanor was talking through the idea that your facade, again, whatever that system is, turns up um, and can operate on the roof as well, that there's opportunity in your long section to somehow to do something here, whether it's the full width of it or it's just a section of it's along the party wall to have some means for bringing light in. You're gonna get a lot of glare there. So having a screening strategy as you started to determine with your aluminum panels and things, I think is gonna be important as well. But that is a really um, great opportunity and could be an incredible space. Um, so I, I would just think consider that challenge as you go forward because it, all the stuff about having the, you know, the storage box be the thing that is privileged in that location, I, I, I agree with it that space would be better utilized for something else. Um, so I would just reconsider the organization of those spaces. I would like to, I, we're running out of time. I'm curious to, we can pick this thread up on, on Monday to talk a little bit more about the material um, assignments. I, you mentioned it at the beginning, but it looks a little bit like the moment that they're sort of mapped to surfaces, but I'm having a hard time reading uh, the, the kind of structural material concept, uh, or in other words, what's the What's the organizational strategy or the way in which material is being deployed in the building? It looks like it's a little bit wallpapered in surfaces, on surfaces, but I think there's more opportunity there to make it a driver for, you know, it has something to do with whether it's the stair um, and that big kind of core in the middle of the building. Or I love the, in the lower. Do they need to be fixed to the pivot or is there a way that like, sometimes you have these pivot doors where like you can have a multiple panel wall where, a pivot door pivots and then it can slide along a track once it's pivoted. Um, you see these in kind of operable window facade systems and stuff. Uh, maybe you could think about that um, as a moving wall system to, to think about like how to free it up a bit more and also where you might want to break away from the grid. No, I, know, I know time's up, but just three quick things. Danielle, um, if you're going to continue to pursue this, I think by the final review, what you want to have is a series of drawings that show a range of different results that the panels can produce. Like here's the room when it's in its most open, here's its most closed, you know. So rather than showing it just in a single position, you have to test the premise of your own project by <clears throat> mapping out the range of different events that it can kind of produce. That's number one. Number two, you can actually do this project rather easily with no columns, right? It's a 30 foot span, which is nothing for a beam. And you could do this with just kind of end walls as structure and a kind of free open center where the panels can operate more fluidly and maybe in more complex ways. And that may get you out of the hallway kind of dilemma. Um, and then third, and I think this is most important for me, you obviously have facility. Um, what you need to be cautious of though is um, the premise that the more stuff you add, the better the project gets. <laughs> like it doesn't always. And it might be a, a point at which you need to kind of delete, you know, like start to edit stuff out. And then lastly, very quick, well, two last things, sorry. Your plans are oriented the wrong way, which is unacceptable. You have to kind of like pay attention to that. And then look at your renders for a minute. 
and tell me if you see any panels. Do you see any panels anywhere? Uh, no, there's just the small ones in the ground floor and then there for the second. Yeah, don't you think that's weird? Like if I didn't know better, if I didn't have all the presentation that came with the project, I would have no idea that this project had anything to do with these kind of rotating panels. So you have to be really strategic about the drawings you produce and how they either contribute to or work against the kind of narrative of the project. Sorry, I, think, I went. Sorry, I went no, over. That's fine. I think we over extra time baked in, and I just want to make a few quick thoughts, um, digesting the, the comments made by the other critics. I think um, you know Roddy's point about testing the plan is is really key, um, not just for you, Danielle, but just let everyone to think about the scenarios that sort of play out in the plan. And you know, for you, you you've drawn multiple sets here because um, we're looking at two versions per floor, which is nice. But I, I think it's an opportunity to sort of build off of this and perhaps think about smaller, um, more vignette or diagrammatic um, plans that allow you to test more ideas and then having maybe a, a set that is a more resolved or um, kind of elaborate detailed drawing. So, but I think I, I appreciate the fact that you produced, um, produced those. Um, the idea of editing, which Tommy and Roddy both pointed out, is, is going to be critical. And I think it's, it's actually a great opportunity um, to say, I think you've produced a really strong grid and it seems to be working for you. So it's a matter of saying, okay, where can I now start to pull away at the grid to allow for more gracious or celebrated spaces? Um, I think Tommy called out specifically the auditorium space where you then can start to think about the grid operating at different scales, which is nice. So. Um, I, I like the direction this project is going in, and I think it's really well documented currently. There's obviously things to work on, but um, the drawings are, are pretty sharp. So appreciate the work. Okay, so moving along to Xiang, to the right. I'll be heading out now. Oh, Tanita, thank you so much for all your comments. Really appreciate it. See you. See you, Tanita. Hi, Tanita. Good to see you, Roddy. Bye, Tommy. Talk later. All right, can you guys hear me? Yes. Okay, so uh, so hello, everyone. Uh, my name is Diane. So I chose the Oakland site. So while I was doing the site analysis, I noticed that nearly one third of the population uh, is over 65 years old. Uh, near the site, so also in the same district. That sh uh, so the data shows that forty to eighty percent of the people are below the average uh, wage of sixty thousand uh, dollars each year. So most of the buildings near the site are either uh, government buildings uh, or office buildings. So therefore, there's a there's a, like a relatively high demand for cheap or non-profitable uh, community space in the area. So I think the layout of the programs should not only accommodate the independence of working space, but also the openness of gathering space that creates people uh, from different classes and ages. And as you can see in the party diagrams, so I applied the uh, ramp strategy in the building, so which extends all the way from the ground floor. It's an open space where uh, people can collaborate and work together. And there's a terrace at the edge of the uh, fourth floor, but yeah. 
All right. Is it your idea that this building, the whole, almost the whole ground floor could be open if the building were open on a sunny day, on a sunny Saturday or something like that? Yeah. You, you want it to really be open. Yeah. The ground floor, right? It's almost like you're saying the ground floor is not part of the building. The ground floor is part of the street. Is that your agenda? Yeah, I would, yeah, I would say part of it. I, I want to keep it open while maintaining like the integrity of the tunnels. So, I see. Yeah. Well, so one thing that I think, um, I think this assembly hall feels a little bit um, sad, not because of its shape, because it seems very dark, Aaron, right? Mm. But I asked, I think that the, tu the tunnel, which I wonder if you might rebrand your tunnel as mm -hmm. tube. Oh yeah. I, okay. Yeah. I think you could rebrand a little bit and call them tubes. Um, I think that the legibility of the tube will be really obvious if you have, is this a concrete building? Yeah, concrete. Seems to me you're uh, saying that like, here's a tube, right? Boom. Mm -hmm. And then it seems like to me, like you're saying, you know, you, here's a tube, right? And then you're saying, I think that this is, you know, beautiful, something light, right? I would really encourage you not to make these kind of punched openings in your project in this way. Um, because what it really means is that if someone's walking along on the street, they're just like seeing wall, 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 right? And I wonder why the assembly can't also have this beautiful translucency or transparency all along here. And even if you set it back a little bit, you could decide which one you want to do this with, or do you want to do it with both, right? If you set it back just a little bit, three feet, right? Is there some way that this is a series of translucent panels so that when there's an assembly, a function in here that wants privacy, right? That they can close all of them, but then they could all be opened, right? And you would get this incredible operability, incredible seamlessness with the street, right? So start thinking about the identity of how of these glass or translucent polycarbonate or channel glass facade elements and how they can um, even enhance your agenda a little bit more, right? Because then, you know, you could be imagining that uh, on a given day that actually you wouldn't see this at all, that instead um, the presence on the street would be that long diagonal, right? And you'd see all the people in here, right? And there's a way in which actually you have plaza. You don't have room, you have plaza. It's a really interesting idea. And then, and then oddly the tubes are the solid space that is the infrastructure for these two, two plazas that are opening, right? So instead of the tubes always being the most enclosed or the most open spaces, maybe then you can flip the reading on the ground floor and the tubes are an infrastructure that support these um, plazas, these, anyway. Um, in the future, I don't know if Bob has talked to you about this, but I wouldn't, are you saying that, is this, is this your egress stair and is it along the facade? Yes. Interesting. Okay. That's interesting to me. I, um, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm never totally convinced about that in a, in projects in which we're really trying to think about the envelope and the operability of the envelope, but also the beauty of the envelope. And like at night, right. When the lights are on in this building and you're having like a big event, that portion of your facade will be completely dark, right? There will not be any light emanating from that portion of the facade. So mm -hmm. to think about, 
would happen if you push that off a little bit, right? Or you said, I know this is going to be opaque there. So I need to make my system really different there, or I need to backlight my system there, right? How can you, if you're going to embed that that's totally opaque there, can you backlight it? And I'm not sure that I buy all your materiality, like, wow, really wood veneer floor. I don't know. I like your idea that tube floor is different than non-tube floor, right? It seems to me that you're trying to tell me that this space is not tube, right? But I'm not sure, I'm not sure, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not in support of your wood veneer, okay? Now, that doesn't mean that, or maybe what I don't support is that the wood veneer on the floor has no relationship to the CLT in the ceiling right? So for instance, one thing that you could start to think about is the grain of this wood floor. Is it following the grain of the CLT? And is it, you know, more blonde, more oaky feeling, right? Um, how does this surface and this surface start to have a reciprocity or like they're, they're more simpatico, they want to be more alike instead of being different, maybe. Too many comments, sorry. Oh, perfect. I wish we had time for more. Um, I, yeah, absolutely. Everything about the, the material conversation I agree with. It's just, they're so dark in there right now. Um, and I think some of these are, well, she's, she's picking up, I think, on a number of the things that um, we've been going back and forth about for the um, entirety of the semester. But I think uh, we'll continue this conversation um, on Wednesday because we're running out of time, but, or Monday rather. But I, I just one parting shot. I think about that stair. I, I, I don't think that's such valuable real estate on the, on the facade, like giving it to the egress there, you know, notwithstanding all the other comments about how it looks from the outside, whether it's lit or not, it's just so it's nice to have program on the perimeter. Yeah. Um, so it, it suggests to me that if there's a stair there, that it's not that stair, it's the lovely stair, um, right. not, the, not the utilitarian one, but thanks, Aaron. Thank you. Well, um, very comprehensive, Fernando. Nice job. Um, starting with the envelope, I uh, really love this um, facade, uh, beautifully kind of linear and these kind of um, slim vertical fins. It's also, I want to tell you, it's so nice to see um, two renderings, one from the front and one from the back. So thank you so much for doing mm -hmm. that, even though they're not fully cooked. Um, I um, I want to I wonder about um, a strategy which might uh, you might think about. This is Funfhofer. Uh, it's a project also in Basel by Herzog and de Meuron. I, I I think that they do a really good job about thinking about materiality. Um, uh, this is actually a bronze uh, facade that's perforated. But the reason why I'm showing it to you is I think also you could think about um, potentially areas of greater operability through the facade instead of puncturing. And so the idea here would be that you would pick select areas. You would say, hmm, I'm going to pick, um, you know, this area to this area and that that would become accordion basically. Okay. And, and that then you'd, and you know, because I'm not totally convinced you can help, you can prove to me that this is a very efficacious and important mm -hmm. um, window, but I'm not totally convinced, right, about the tiny ones. Yeah. And I wonder instead about an idea about envelope that was, you know, much more um, operable, felt really dynamic, right? Mm -hmm. um, and you could think about whether they're, um, whether they're manual or whether they are, um, you know, part of a, a, some kind of system. 
The other moment where that happens then is it's a little bit awkward is right here, right? Where I'm seeing your party wall, but I, I there's the facade ends, right? And what's starting to happen here is you've got like naked party wall. It's like almost like all of a sudden we're seeing the bones of a building mm -hmm. instead of seeing something that's really intentional. It is fairly high in the Southern sky, right? You know, it can be as high as this, frankly, um, but can also be, you know, it can be lower. But there's potentially a lot of it that isn't going to be receiving a, a lot of solar radiation. If you so extended some across here, is there some way mm -hmm. in which part of what you're getting then is a filtered light quality through the breeze delay? And then all of a sudden, instead of having a massing solution here on, on the facade, you've really said, I'm going to control the volume of the building in a little, in a little bit more concerted way. Um, you could make this operable too. There's a project in Bangkok. Um, uh, forget what it's called now that, that has open air terrace, but then, you know, people really have to go open it, but maybe mm -hmm. you just try to like craft the edge of your building here a little bit. Something to think about. Um, you know, although you've done it here too, right. Where you're saying like, here's a massing solution. And so, but, um, and looks to me like you're saying that there's terrace, is this terrace all the way along? What are you doing yeah. here? Yeah. That's basically what it is. It's roof terrace. Okay, yeah. interesting. So what you're saying then is, is that roof terrace, let's go look at your plan for a second. Um, well, interesting. So here's your roof plan and I see roof here. Is this roof or terrace? Oh yeah, no, no, that's, yeah, that's roof, sorry. Yeah, that's roof. That's roof, okay. Yeah. So, so actually then you're saying that on this, you intend again to have roof here. You intend to have roof here? No, that, sorry. <laughs> That's just access to like the like maintenance and stuff like that. So there oh, is like okay. Little, so yeah, yeah, is sorry. do we get to go upstairs or no? Um, no, no, right? No, okay. no. Okay, so try to ask yourself: Do how do I control the massing? Right? Is it? Do you intend to have a stepped massing? Actually, it's working really well here on the rear, but it's not working quite as well on the front where your party wall is visible. Right? Okay. So something to dial into. Right. Um, let's see again. Um, I'm a little bit, I see that you have a huge hole, which is really, you know, um, a great asset to the project. And I wonder whether there's any way for kind of your idea to begin to infiltrate and you have a little bit more like, is there any way for the hole to grow? I don't know, but uh, I'm noticing that for most of this project also, there's no light here. Right. And there's no light there. Right. Mm -hmm. So I start to wonder, is there any way in which your envelope idea begins to permeate your roof idea? Are there any right. slatted openings programmatically driven, right? Um, that begin to get light into some of these great spaces. And, and mm -hmm. what would be nice about that is like, there's a nice way in which your facade has a kind of, um, it doesn't feel so bounded, right? The facade seems to stretch to air, right? And I wonder then how the atrium space, which is covered now by a really square hole, is there some way that that hole can stretch in the same way that the facade seems to kind of stretch, right? Mm -hmm. So I don't know, you cut away a little bit. The other thing I would do with your facade, which oddly you're showing in section, but is not as... So in your roof, you're, you're doing a really good job. You know, Bob's course, Bob's studio is so great with like actual building stuff, but you're going to have a little water problem here. 
right? Okay. So as water falls down here, you're going to get yeah. water right here. And I wonder if as a result, you say, hmm, what if this pops up, right? And you then uh -huh. put your scallop system a little bit higher, mm -hmm. right? And so water runs onto the roof instead of getting caught right here, yeah. right? And then, and so in section, that would look like this. Yeah, right, Bob already drew it. Yeah, okay. Um, and that could actually be nice then also because then you have another operable moment, right? So if this is now glass and this is, um, and you could decide which portion of this is glass, right? Mm -hmm. And now, and you could decide, is it still slanted? seems like maybe you want it to be slanted, right? Which is nice, so let's water run right over here, right? Then maybe actually then these are operable too, right? And that's how you can help, again, vent, vent your hot air. Oh, okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, beautiful kind of rational idea about the grid. I think that's really convincing. Let's go look at some of the plans. Um, yeah, this is really well drawn. Um, oh my God, tiniest bathroom ever. This is your handicap stall. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah, funny. Or this is another handicap stall. There's two. Okay. There's, one There's two in there. Okay, great. So um, is this your ground floor here? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I would wonder, maybe this is your main door. Mm -hmm. Is there any way that you take these um, kind of slats and you say, what if on a really big event, this is also operable, mm -hmm. right? Is there some way that you could have these open? Um, which way do they open? How do they open? Do they rotate? Maybe this is the door that is open um, that I use all the time, right? That's very easy to lock. But then when there's a big exhibition and I wanna show off whatever's in here and I want many more people to come in all at once, I can open up, so the, op the operator of the building, right? Can open up these doors and I get a much beautiful, a stronger flow across that, mm. across that boundary. Um, let's see here. Assembly is a little bit skinny. Right, let's talk yeah. about your assembly hall for a second. Kind of the idea about a really long and skinny assembly hall. Hmm. Interesting. Where's that in section? Um, right here. Right, let's show, show it to me in cross section. Do you have it in cross section? Where is it over here? Right here, yeah, right there. Right there, interesting. Mm -hmm. um, it's feeling a little bit narrow. So for instance, if I were to like really array, let's go back to the plan. If I were to really array those seats like this, you'd, you'd have to lose like a lot of these seats, right? Yeah. Because, you know, where, where do you imagine, is there a door or is, you, is, do you, is this glass? Is it operable glass? What's the intention about so the boundary here? We were um, thinking of, uh, um, me and Bob was kind of discussing uh, that maybe it'd be like an open assembly yeah, hall. Okay. Where it'd be open, open assembly and stuff. hall. Yeah. Okay, great. Okay. Okay. Good. So interesting. Is this, do you, is this stair totally, is this an open stair? Do you intend this stair to be really open? Yeah. Okay. Because I think maybe you could prove, is this a ramp condition? Yeah, mm -hmm. it is. Isn't it? Yeah. Interesting. Because it would be nice if the assembly could be closed, but mm -hmm. I think if you close it, I don't really buy that we're looking this way. Okay. It's like looking down a tunnel kind of, and the people are at mm -hmm. the end, but these people in the back, they, they can't really see, they can't really see that far, right? Yeah. 
So something to think about would then be, hmm, do you say, wow, I don't need that much assembly hall. And actually, I'm going to make this hole bigger and boom, this is all whole now. That's one okay. option. Okay. Another option is that you say, hmm, this is actually becoming my performance wall. And mm -hmm. the stairs, the, sorry, the chairs might get oriented this way. Okay. Looking that way. So maybe part of the work you can do with Bob is like test, oh, sorry, massive post-it. Test different configurations of the assembly that help you understand where are the operable doors? What seating do you show in what direction? Because you can't actually go, you know, I want to array the seats differently, but you can't actually because you have that ramp right? Yeah. So, so maybe it's about even if you keep the assembly, what if your idea about assembly were more like a different idea and of theater and stage were here and people sat here and here. Again, that's tricky with your ramp, but maybe there's a different idea about where people are looking. You could look at different stage configurations to help you get inspiration for this. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Really, really well-documented project. Thank you. Also, I think that this use of CLT is really um, convincing, um, but I would really encourage you not to, are these Lumion people? Yeah, no, Don't they're uh, Enscape. Enscape people, yeah. okay? Don't use render people in the final okay. rendering. Okay, all right, okay. <laughs> sounds good. Nice, okay. Excellent, thanks, Fernando. Thank you. Right, let's see how we're doing, 520 and we have three left. That seems pretty good. That seems um, reasonable, yeah. Andy, you're up. Hello. Andy. Hi. Uh, my name is Andy. And I guess for, I guess I'll start. So uh, my concept is about moving from the outside to the inside and throughout the programs. And so this can easily be seen through the long section and the, uh, and the top left, top right diagram where these are most there's are cutting through the circulation and showing the mode and showing the mode of circulation. So from the outside, the glass and louver uh, facade that can be seen in the performative cut uh, allows for a slight view indoors, which could hint at the activities within those programs. And so uh, the entrance, so when entering the entrance lobby, to the first flight of stairs is a lounge that cuts from the um, that cuts through the a public exhibition hall, and so what this does is that it incorporates the exhibition uh, and guides the experience through the entrance all the way to the back of the back of the building uh, in like a seamless sort of fashion and right next to the, so it, and it ends right next to the, um, the main staircase that leads to the second floor. And so what's, what uh, I think is important about my, uh, my project is that in each, each of these stairs uh, end in the middle, in like a middle area. And each of these middle areas have its own uh, program and can act like a meeting space. So the middle area on the first floor is like a lobby or is like a lounge. Uh, and the second floor 
it ends in a ends in a uh, in a reception area for the lecture hall. Uh, and so uh, this allows uh, people to choose whether they want to go to the lecture hall or continue to behind them, which is the, the second exhibition space that holds the city, the city model. And so the one note, uh, so in this exhibition space, there's a ramp that you can see in my, uh, in my first rendering. Mm -hmm. uh, this ramp circles the space and circles the uh, city model and ends in a mezzanine. And so what this ramp does is that it allows people to see not see the city model, not from uh, not just from the sides, but also from above. I think that enhances the experience and understanding of the city model, as if the city model is like a three D object that instead of you rotating with your hands or your mouse, uh, it rotates in accordance with the body. Mm -hmm. And so on third floor, uh, it's there's a public terrace and a second lobby slash reception area. Uh, that acts sort of like a gate for the more private third um, third floor exhibition area, and the uh, uh, and the upper floors. And so I think that the, the upper floors, which are the fourth floor, which includes the research and policy area as well as the two meeting rooms, uh, should be a private space. So that's why I added that uh, lobby, second lobby. Uh, yeah, that's about it. You are not going to like my comment, but I think you have a tiny problem. Okay. And I don't know what Bob and you, you and Bob talked about this, but it seems to me that, and one problem, part of the problem is, um, technical. And part of the problem is that you have the potential to have such a great space, but you kind of cut into it. Right. So I think it's problematic that your two stairs are really close together. In fact, I think it's probably against the program, the um, rules of the program that your two stairs have to be at least 50 feet apart, right? And so all of a sudden you have these two stairs that are right next to each other, right? Okay, so this is kind of a dilemma which we would really like you to fix because it's kind of like, ooh, shoot, right? Let's fix that and, and so that we don't have to think about it anymore, right? So one, and combined with that, I look at this, um, I look at this axon, let's go over to the far right, right? And here you have like the kind of the most exciting space has this huge egress stair right in front of it, right? And I started to think about that you almost have what's called a split section, right? Which is an idea about a section that's like, oh, it's not totally two different floors, but they're just shifted. It's called, and you've split it along this line, right? See that? Mm -hmm. Well, there's a really nice building by Delorence Gofidio at Brown University called the Granoff Center, which employs this split section, right? And you can see their idea about how people are constantly looking up and looking down and, and you're kind of like looking at a wall or looking at a floor but, and looking down in. Like there's this kind of really nice idea about a split section and you have a split, a really clear split right here. But you can't use it. We can't see it because it's always either blocked by steps or by the egress. So I start to wonder what would happen if you moved that egress stair, 
And I don't know where you can put it yet, but I think the other thing that it would really help with is that your ground floor has a really long passage of safety. I'm now over the ground floor. Pat, long passage of safety, right? From the egress all the way out. And you've kind of blocked the rest of your building because you have two utility rooms at the back here, right? So I wonder what would happen if your egress stair moved? Would it be, the, would it be really, it seems, it seems tricky because you, on the one hand, you're using it to navigate your shift, right? You're kind of using it to navigate the shift, but maybe it could move. I wonder, I wonder if it could move more to the rear. Work with, work on that, work on that with, I would work on that with Bob. Because also then maybe we wouldn't, maybe, um, or another option would be, what if you swapped your elevator with your egress? That might be another, you know, might be another option. No, but that you can't do that because then we can't get out. So anyway, I, I, I would encourage you to work on, you and Bob to work on that strategically together. Um, because then you might get this kind of, not only, you know, you're starting to think about it here. How is a space split by this ramp, right? Don't forget that your ramp is gonna need railings. You might wanna start designing that because you know, they're gonna occlude your, occlude the visibility a little bit. So start drawing, start modeling and drawing those ramps. Um, but I think in, in the same way that you're kind of looking at multiple vantage points, your split section could really, could really start to do that. And if you had programmed in here, instead of, instead of egress, you'd be like, oh, look at, you know, all these beautiful ways in which we're looking at each other. So that could be, I think that could be really great. Um, let's see here. Yeah, I think, I think that your, your ground floor could really be enhanced if we could somehow walk all the way through and not have to walk through, like it looks like right now that the only way I can get out is I have to go through the egress stair and then get out, right? Which means that actually this room is very closed. What is number one? Number one is also exhibition, right? So number one doesn't really benefit from the beauty of, or it benefits from utility, right? Instead of, hmm, what if you put utility room here and here and then you had more exhibition on the rear? I don't know, right? So, so I would really consider the flow of your entire ground floor, being more generous with it. Hmm, how can you make this beautiful threshold to come across and then come through? And then it seems like you want a living room. I don't know. I, you kind of have the living room in front of the bathroom, right? See all these chairs are sitting right in front of the bathroom. What if you really thought about your living room as not in front of the bathroom, right? Instead, I would put your living room really, or your lounge in a space that feels a little bit more generous, or let's look at this, seems to me here, how could you, what if you were to create a kind of screen right here? Maybe you kind of have a screen here and we can walk on the other side of that screen to get to the bathroom. But then when we're sitting here, we're not looking at the bathroom wall, right? Maybe there's a kind of, <coughs> pardon me, a way that you could begin to integrate a kind of screening condition. Now, given that, let's talk about your facade. Do you have a screen that you're using on the facade? Oh, you kind of have a louvered idea, right? So maybe you start to think about what would happen if you said, hmm, maybe there are some fins and I use the fins as dividers. So on your first floor plan, what might that look like? Can you tighten this up? 
you see how you've got a hallway in your bathroom? Yeah. I wonder what would happen if you were a little bit more generic about your bathroom and you got rid of the, rid of the hallway and you had your wall here and you had very minimal sinks along this wall and you put your stalls there. And then all of a sudden that is gone, right? And instead you put like a beautiful series of your fins, maybe, right? And then all of a sudden I, I believe, and maybe actually then, you know, how does seating start to kind of be inside the fins so that I look this way too, right? So as you're, you know, Jason actually had a really nice comment at our review on uh, Monday, the end of the day, he said, use your entourage to test your idea, to help you design. As soon as you see these like big overstuffed sofas looking at the bathrooms, you think we don't want to look at the bathroom. We want to look at each other, right? Or we want to look at exhibition. So maybe these fins get you start to use on the inside and they become exhibition panels. So, you know, maybe you have a series of fins that start to become exhibition panels and then they get smaller and then they start to sculpt circulation. So instead of having like a big wall here now, I have like a big, or I have an, a liminal space, a kind of threshold space. That's a really great idea. I think that for sure the, I, this came up a, maybe it was last week about the, the adjacency of those stairs right. um, and they do have to move, but I, and that's the, I guess the troubling comment for you, Andy, is that it's a lot of, it's, it's requires reconfiguring some significant pieces, but actually I would say too, that I think you've made some strides as far as articulating for yourself what the core idea is in a clear way. So getting the entourage in there and using that to identify that this zone of the building is in fact, the, this is the place, this is your project and linking those spaces together. I, so I think that that is, um, is all a positive effort um, and, and is a, a, you've, you've learned a lot through that exercise. But now I do believe you have to go back a little bit to go forward, which is to say that figuring out how to get relocate that um, egress stair uh, or some, sw switching some of those parts around somehow um, so that you can maintain that distance, I do think is important. You know, I think if it's 48 feet, I'm you know, not going to give you a hard time about it. But yeah, I think exactly. It's got to pass the eye test. It's got to pass the eye test. Exactly. Um, right no now, one's going to measure it, but yeah. it's too close right now, right? It's definitely too close. Yeah. And I would also encourage you, and we talked about this a little bit as well. I think your, your rendering um, of the ramp space, it feels still feels squat. I, I don't, again, this is taller. Another, this is another thing I'm not going to measure. I would say, I don't know what's happening up there, but I would just want to get rid of all that stuff and just let it be Agreed. a big space. And then you line the walls with whatever, you know, big infographics or whatever the installation yeah. is. And you've got stuff all over the place. It's an experiential thing up and through. It's, it's, it's too tight right now, but I think it could be a lovely space. It's, it's narrow, but that's the nature of the floor plate that you're working with. So I think that's okay. Um, totally seconded on looking into the bathrooms. Um, it turns, yeah, it becomes a little bit of odd theater. So I think figuring out some way to re <laughs> reconfigure those pieces in the core of the building to really leverage this, this space, I, the, the narrowing um, fins or some, some idea of pulling that in and using that as display and divider and facade, I think is such a great idea. I would latch onto that in a heartbeat and, and bring that with me. Um, I want to, yeah, we'll continue this conversation uh, on Monday, great. but I think thank you for yeah, Andy, you know, I, when I said problem, it doesn't mean that the project is as like, you've got great ideas, but it's yeah. just like, it's one of those things that like, people are going to notice, right? So you want to like, yeah. just 
get check that off the list so that so that we can focus on the good stuff right yeah and it's it's fundamental enough that it's it's going to require some head scratching here in the next few days but uh if you can get this figured out i think you'll before monday i think you'll be a lot happier i would i would focus for the next session on moving those pieces around seeing what you can get to work and i think that there's there's something about this section with the that's showing the light coming in i've talked about this with a few of the others that you know north-south orientation you're not going to get this hard light but i get the idea that these are the, the lit ends of the building but I'm curious if you could overlay this thing with your line drawing at some point and we could start to, this might start to suggest some material sensibility as well. That's about whatever's happening in the middle. There might be some unifying material experience as well as you move through those spaces where the, which are the informal meeting zones. I think that's such a great idea, um, but I think you could start to encode it in other ways as well because the material strategy is something that's uh, at the moment, just not, you just haven't gotten there yet. But I think that's something we should focus on going forward as well. Okay, and great, um, great reference, Eleanor. Thanks for bringing this in. The sheer section is a um, really nice part of the project, and this is a great reference. Yeah, for right. Yeah, cool. Okay, um, two to go. Cynthia, you're up. 